just by way of just a few details uh, in this book, it is, uh, some say, um, dates that is written is uncertain, however, the author is known to be Paul. And uh, he wrote it to the church at Philippi. This particular congregation uh, was uh, what some would say ideal in many respects. Uh, it was appreciative and it was generous. We see that in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, and also Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. Uh, it, it was established by Paul uh, on a second missionary journey during a storm of persecution that he was in. And this is going to be very important in this lesson that you, 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 you underline and circle in your notes uh, a storm of persecution. Its beginning of this congregation was very small. Uh, it involved just a few women um, at the banks of the river. It was Lydia uh, who was uh, the first convert, if you will, and was soon joined by the Philippian jailer and his family. And uh, perhaps there was a few others and they became the nucleus of this congregation. You see this in Acts chapter 16, verses 12 through 40. And when Paul wrote this book, uh, one of the purposes behind this book was to express his affection for those Christians there in Philippi, uh, to give them thanks for their gifts uh, and, and, and encourage them to live lives that were dedicated uh, to Christian unity, uh, to holiness, and also to joy. You might want to underline that one too, to joy. Um, if you're looking for a key theme in this book, it is Jesus Christ is the source. Jesus Christ is the source of abundant life and joy. Amen. You don't get anything else from this lesson. Get that point. That Jesus, Jesus Christ is the source, the only source of abundant life and Job. And we see that expressed in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And oftentimes, uh, it's been said that the key verse of this book is uh, to rejoice at all times, regardless of the circumstances. He says, rejoice, I say it again, I say it. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. So, and, and remember that when Paul was writing this letter, <coughs> He was not one who was free himself. Uh, he was in prison. He was in chains. But he was thinking about others and still encouraging them. Uh, before I go further, I, I'm remiss. I need to mention just a, uh, an announcement. Uh, there was a brother who I believe uh, preached here one time uh, and was a visitor uh, who, who was a member here. Back to our lesson. Uh, it's interesting as it was read into your hearing from this book of Philippians from chapter four, I read a few moments ago about how we should, uh, how we should meditate, what we should keep our, how Paul was telling them what to keep their minds on. And he said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are, uh, are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace 
shall protect you. The God of peace and his word shall provide a shield for you. And it will shield you, it's important to understand, from the inside out. That's why the scripture says that we ought to let the word of God dwell richly in us. Because it protects us from all sorts of uh, demonic types of thinking and disheartening types of thinking and discouraging ways of thinking. If we let God's word dwell richly in us, as it says in Ephesians 5, 19, and Colossians 3, 16, we ought to let it dwell. We ought to sing his praises from those songs. From the, and you say, well, what songs, Brother Johnson? You have the songs that are in the scriptures, but you also have the song that is your life. You can sing songs of deliverance from the life that he has delivered you from and transformed you in. You ought to be able to write a song from that by itself. But what I'd like to, to spend a few moments, because see, Paul is saying that if you can do this, as he goes on in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of, of your care for me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful when you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I know both and how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer for need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So, for my children, I want you, my children, for your notes, I want you to draw two things, my children. I want children to draw, I want them to draw uh, a sleeping dog. This is for the children's notes. A sleeping, a, 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 a sleeping dog. And then I want you to draw a pot of gold. And it's going to be up to the parents to make sure that they teach you what these things mean as it relates to our subject. And our subject is to deal with the dis-ease of discontent. Now notice what I said, dis-ease of discontent. Sin is a disease, and it has devastating and cancerous effects on the body, the mind, and the soul. And from it comes all types of, and sorts of diseases, if you will. Bible tells us something over there, if we were to go over uh, together. Uh, to, to, to Luke chapter 12, verse 15. But Paul expresses in this text that most people, you know, that, uh, uh, he says that he's learned in all kinds of situations to be Christ-sufficient. Paul understood that he could not be emotionally self-sufficient, and he couldn't act on his own will. But instead, he said, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. It's a very dangerous thing when you walk around believing that you can be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. You will be defeated in your quest for self-sufficiency every time. God's people ought to be Christ-sufficient. And when we talk about the dis-ease of, dis <laughs> of discontentment, well, I'm going to give you a definition. And, and what it says here, I'm going to give you this, this, this definition, and I want you to write down. The term dis-ease is it's often used in the, uh, in the uh, field of, uh, of chiropractic. Uh, and, 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 and what it means is 
when there's a lack of ease or harmony within the body. It occurs when for any reason the innate intelligence of the person is uh, interrupted or disrupted or not able to function through the daily, uh, uh, to, to, it's not able to manifest itself in the daily functions of life. So that means your innate intelligence, what you know to do, because of this ease, it disrupts the connection between the two and what's up here does not come out here, if that makes sense. So a, a shorter definition of this ease is a lack of ease, an uh, absence of ease. Whereas the word disease means a, a lack of health, meaning you have no health. And you know that you're unhealthy when you have certain, a certain group of symptoms that lets you know that your health is being threatened. All right? And that can cover physical health and mental health. But now, dis-ease doesn't always have obvious symptoms. Because it's that thing which happens on the inside. See, because Christians are supposed to have ease. They're supposed to be at ease. And they're supposed to be meditating on those things that are lovely, that are pure, that are great. They're supposed to be meditating right there. Right? But when something disrupts that, we get a problem. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For even when one has an, abund an abundance, does his life consist of possessions? I read that again. Thank you. Uh, beware and be on guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possession. So that means when you, when your life, when you have an abundance of everything, it's never about the things that you have. And you have to be very careful because Satan, when you won't tie your mind to the things that God has said meditate on, you will quickly start to define yourself by the things that you have and the things that you do. You'll define yourself by your job. You'll define yourself by your car, by your clothes. This is what you'll define yourself by. And then if there's a lack of those things, then they will cause a lack in the ease that is in your mind. If that makes sense to anybody. So we're talking about dealing with the dis-ease of discontentment. All right? Now, the, the, the definition of contentment is it's a mental or emotional state of satisfaction. It's a state of having accepted one's situation. All right? So, so, so it, it, it's, it's an emotional or mental state of satisfaction, and it's a state of having accepted one's situation. Now, when you accept your situation, then you can start to be at ease. Because your mind is not on what you lack, it's on what you have. Right? Therefore, uh, a discontentment was, it, it's a mentally created dissatisfaction. Notice what I said. It is a mentally created dissatisfaction. Meaning, I made it up, up here. And you say, well, Brother Johnson, where did that start? It started in the garden. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, it started right there. When man's eyes were, quote, unquote, open. And when his eyes were open, then what happened? He, 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 he began to get smarter. When he developed intellectually, as man developed intellectually, he started to do things like compare and contrast. 
And when he started to compare and contrast, he started to notice certain gaps in what he had and what he didn't have. So, so once his eyes, so what was that come down to? Let me break it down real simple. Once when man, the, the smarter man gets, when man gets smarter, the more smart he gets, the more greedy he becomes. Because in the garden, they had everything, didn't they? And they had no want for anything. Isn't that right? But the moment their eyes were open, notice when they became intelligent, they started noticing what they didn't have. Huh? All of a sudden, I don't have no clothes. I'm out here naked. But the thing is, you were never naked, though. Because you were always covered by God. And as long as God covered you, you had no concerns. You had no worries. You could be completely and perfectly content. But somewhere where you started to get intelligent, you started to notice there's a gap. And what I mean by that gap, if you're in your notes, see, man, when man starts to develop intellectually, then he perceives a gap between his definition of good and God's definition of good. And don't you know that that gap will nag him all the days of his life? Because he'll always see. See, because once he starts to see that gap, the moment man started to see that gap, he started to see that God's definition of good was no longer good enough. And it would nag him from within. See, and he went from contentment to discontentment. But here's the thing. Was he really? See, God gave him ease. But he created in his own mind this ease. He disrupted his own peace. Huh? So then, so then, so, the, so then when we look at this, like I said, for my children, I wanted my children to, to, to write down a sleeping dog. Now this part is for, for the children. The adults, y'all can listen in if you want. But I want them to understand. Now, children, I want to tell you something real quick about what was called the disoriented dog. I mean, the discontented dog. All right? And it says, once a dog was relaxing in the garden, and when he saw a cat on top of a high wall, it thought, it must be so nice to be high above the ground if only I could climb. This feeling of envy made it so, made it so bad tempered that it didn't even wag its tail at its master who came to give it some milk. Then it saw a goldfish in the river and wished that it too could live in the cold water. Envy made it angry once again. That old dog was angry once again. Just then, it heard the fish say, it looks so nice and warm on the grass. I wish I could lie down on it. After some time, a sparrow flew past. Seeing the dog blazing around, it said aloud, I wish I could play the whole day like the dog. I wish I didn't have to build a nest for myself and search for food and tire my wings. Then listening to this, listening to them, the dog realized its folly for not appreciating what it had. That old dog had been discontented with just laying there on the ground. He didn't realize how good he had it. Because why? He was too busy focusing on where other folks were, rather than being content on where he was. Focusing on what other folks had. They can fly, they can swim. 
but not focusing on what he had, right? <coughs> then, then, then children, children, I ask you to write down, I ask you to draw a bag of gold. Then I ask you to draw a bag of gold. He said, he, he sounds so militant, is he threatening the children? <coughs> then, that, that bag of gold, let me show you something. There was a beggar. There was a beggar who called on God all day long. He called on God all day long, and then one day God appeared to him in the flesh. And God said to him, what is it that you would have me to do for you? He said, I want gold coins. God said this. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make gold coins fall out of the sky into that bag that you have. Now, there's one exception. Catch all the gold you want, but don't let any of that gold touch the ground. Because if the gold touches the ground, it will turn to dust. All you need to do to get all the gold I'm going to give you is just simply say enough. Two conditions. Just say enough and don't let the gold touch the ground. The beggar said, fair enough. God opened up the sky and gold started falling. It wasn't long before the bag was full of gold and it started to overflow. It was overflowing, and the gold was falling to the ground. The beggar's still trying to catch more gold, more gold. The gold is falling to the ground, turning to dust, turning to dust. Just then, he noticed a rip in his bag. But he's still trying to catch gold. Remember the other condition. God said, you can have all the gold. All you got to do is say enough. The thing is, the beggar never said enough. He kept trying to catch gold until he ripped at the bottom. All the gold fell out, and all he had was dust. It was his greed that led him to misfortune. See, there's some things at the core of discontentment. It's a lack of appreciation like the dog. Huh? And, and, it, 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 it's greed. Does that make sense? See, the dis-ease of discontent comes from a lack of appreciation and just flat out greed. And one thing we have to understand, that when it comes to what Paul was saying here, Paul was saying something real simple. He says, listen, if you just keep your mind on the things that God has told you to keep your mind on, then you can have peace. See, what comes out of dis-ease, you know what comes out of dis-ease? All kind of other diseases, such as manic depressive disorder. Huh? All kind of manic type of moods and also a lack of peace, a lack of sleep, a lack all these types of lacks comes simply comes away from the fact that you did not do what God said to do. He said, keep your mind on these things. And if you keep your mind on these things, peace, peace will protect your heart. And notice what Paul said. He said, listen, listen. He said, he said right there, he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and that now at least uh, your care hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak out of respect or want. I'm not saying this because I want anything. I'm saying this because I appreciate what you've done already. This little congregation has followed me all over the known world and made sure they were doing for me even when they didn't have opportunity. They saved up the money so they could find where he was and get it to him anyway. Don't you know that about God? 
opportunity, has the power, has the resources, and will always get to his children exactly what they need. So then the question is, why are we walking around so discontent? You know why? Because my children, my children, you get caught up watching TV. And you get caught up seeing what they got on TV. And I, mama, I need that. And I, I need this. And I got to have that because I can't be new and improved unless I have that. New and improved ain't new and improved. It's the same old stuff with a different label. You don't believe me? Ask Sister Brady. She worked with that stuff. She the one who put the commercials together. <laughs> she put those together. Yeah, you know. You know the, the nationwide. Yeah. So the thing is, new and improved is not new and improved, but the world banks on you being dis being discontent and sitting there being dis diseased. The whole, the whole commercial world, they make money off of your diseasiness. <laughs> Satan banks on your diseasiness. That's how he gets you. That's how he can go back and take shoes that came out when I was 17 years old. Go back and get the same shoes. Come back 30 years and charge more for them now than he did then. Banking on your disease. Y'all don't understand that? Huh? That's how they can do it. Come on, I've already talked to y'all about the age defying stuff. There ain't no such thing as nothing age defying. Father, time is undefeated. Nobody beats Father Time. You want to do yourself a favor? Save you a couple worry lines and stop worrying about it. <laughs> huh? Keep your mind on the things that are lovely, that are pure, that are beautiful. Keep your mind on the things of God and let Him put that peace in your heart so they can stop getting you for your disease. Why our families fall apart? Because of dis-ease. Relationships and friends falling apart because of dis-ease and discontentment. Why is your spiritual life so raggedy? Because your relationship with God is filled with dis-ease and discontentment. Until you can be content with God, you, you, you can't do anything. You can't appreciate anything else. So then, so, so then the Bible says, the Bible says over there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Go over there for me, Nico. Matthew 6, verse 25. Because the thing is, Paul, Paul was writing. He was talking about the generosity. And notice what he's saying. He's saying you can be generous even when you're small. You can be generous even when you've got a You can do much when you've got a few. Do you see that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, what's the Bible say? Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Is it not more, life is more than food, isn't it? Yeah. So some of us, some of us might say, well, yeah. <laughs> life is more than food. That's why all the foodies out here <laughs> who like to chew. But the thing is, it's about more. I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you, anytime, anytime you got a, anytime you got a child, a teenager who come up to you and say, Brother Johnson, when I die, can you just throw McDonald's french fries in the grave with me? And bury me with a sandwich in my hand. I don't mean to call no names, Alex, but I'm just saying. Somebody like food too much. But life isn't food. Life isn't clothes. So I don't have to eat everywhere they eat. I don't have to wear everything they wear. I don't have to go everywhere they go. And guess what? I'll still be all right. Huh? But when you get to worrying about that stuff, you know what it'll do? If you get to worry about it, it'll make you paranoid. It'll get you thinking everybody's watching you. Everybody looking at you, honey. Everybody ain't stunning you. They got their own stuff to think about. Some folks just glad to be in the room. And, you, and they might be looking past you, but you swear they're looking at you. When you worry too much, you become paranoid. And when you become paranoid, you can never be at ease. Because you're always thinking somebody's watching, somebody's saying, somebody's talking, somebody's doing all the time. Your mind must not be on that. Your mind must be on the things of Christ Jesus. When you're walking around trying to be self-sufficient, the problem is you, you learn real quick that there ain't no such thing as self-sufficient. Because everything you try to do on your own fails. You try to force friendships, force force this and force that, and you figure out that all this forcing does nothing but leave you fatigued. Nothing tires you out more than trying to fight God. Huh? Instead of fitting into God's plan, you're fighting against God's plan. You're trying to force him to refocus his plan instead of fitting into his plan. If you'll fit into his plan, you'll see something great. You'll see something wonderful. But you see, and that's why you can't get the peace. You won't be patient enough, long enough, to see the peace that surpasses all understanding. Huh? Think about it. It requires peace, but it, it requires patience. But you're so filled with, with, with anxiety. You're so filled with worry. You're so filled with paranoia that you can't get to the peace. What did Paul say? Paul said, he said, listen. He said, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What that mean? Stop sitting around. When you're paranoid, you believe a bunch of lies. You know that, right? He said, instead of focusing on the lies, believe the stuff that's true. I feel like people saying I'm ugly. Well, is you? <laughs> because if you ain't, don't think of it. I ain't ugly. I can act ugly. But I ain't ugly. So then if you're not, why does it matter when they call you that? Think on the things that are true. I got laugh on. And people go, I need to conceal my laugh line. You ought to be thankful you can laugh sometimes. Huh? I done had a whole life of laughter. That's what my lines prove. And I'm still laughing now. I'm joy. I'm filled with joy. Instead of saying, let me get to the Mac counter and get the right type of concealer. 
<laughs> so I can, no, this is what I'm talking about. Let me get to the mat counter so I can conceal my laugh lines. You don't want the world to know you laugh? You don't want the world to know you have some joy? That's listening to Satan. That's a lie. That's foolishness. Let them know I laugh because I got a Jesus who brings me joy. And in every dark day, I got a way out, and I can smile all day long. I got these laugh lines because I'm smiling all the time. Huh? I take the laugh lines over worry lines any day. And he said, you better not be worried for anything. But in all things, make your supplications known unto God. Huh? But then he says, in all things, he said, in all things that are true, uh, uh, dominant, I want you to you're up front now. Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He said, he finally called him. Get your camera up here. Get ready. All things that are true. So here's the thing. It requires you to do this, children. It requires you to do this, adults. Yeah, we're going to give Nico a slight break today. See, the thing is, it requires you to do this. It requires you, everything somebody says to you, you need to sit down and think, is it true? That's right. Amen. If it's not true, then I don't need it. I don't do nothing with it. Because you know how diseases, you know where diseases come from? Diseases come from this. When pathogens come through the body and don't leave. See, when a cold or a bug or a virus come through and it doesn't leave, you don't ask, believe me, ask Professor Q. Q gonna be my professor, he's my doctor guy. You know, he got his bow tie going already. <laughs> you know, because he up there, he has six majors right now. So the thing is, so the thing is, see, see when, when, when pathogens come through your body and they don't leave and they stay and they incubate, you become sick. See? But when people say stuff to you, those pathogens should not be allowed to stay. If it's not true, let it pass through. So you don't get sick over it. So you don't become, so your ease doesn't become dis-ease. So you can stay content. I'm trying to tell you what medicine won't do for you. I'm telling you what the best medicine will do. This is God's word. Right? He says, I want you to meditate. Now, for my people in the street, meditate, that means marinate. That means let it marinate. That means to sit in the sauce. <laughs> for a while and soak it up. You don't believe me? Harold the chef, that's what marinate me. Ain't there by Harold? Exactly. Let it sit there, let it sit in the sauce for a while. So oh, everything that is true, let it sit in the sauce for a while. What's the next verse say? What, what's it say? All things that are true? Come on. Circles. 
forget about the time you put in those services. You, you forget about all that time, but you get, you get caught up on what things are not fair. And then you, what you do, you sit around and pout. Again, remember, when you don't let it pass through, it will get you. So you sit there and you keep thinking about how fair, unfair everybody is. You forget you belong to the great equalizer. Amen. Nobody gets more than God's children ever. I have not yet seen God's children forsaken or begging bread. I don't know how true that is to you, but it's as true to me as my first name. I don't believe that I'll ever be slighted because God is on my side. Nobody can slight me. Nobody can get over on me. Nobody, nowhere ever can. Because I got a God who sees all and knows all. You're not going to make me discontent. You're not going to make me dis-ease because he will make sure all that I need will be right where he needs, where, where I need it to be. I ain't studying. So what? Why you think we sing in a song? You sit there and you watch the, the unrighteous and how they seem to prosper. Unrighteous people don't prosper. Their souls are lost. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What are you jealous of that for? And what do you do? You sit around at the job, and this is Satan perfectly. When you sit there and see that you think somebody getting something more than you, what you do, you sit back and fold your arms. <laughs> and stick your lip out and half do your work and put half a foot out the door. Yeah, I folded my arms twice. Because <laughs> that's what y'all do. You look silly. You get upset. Listen, you don't worry about that. You know what you do? When you see that problem, you put it in God's hands and keep on. You keep on. God will make sure it's made up at the right time. Amen. But you know what happens? When you sit around paranoid and believe in lies, you have no peace, and you've got a problem. I'm going to tell you what that problem is called in a moment. See, and so then that happens. He says, what sort of things are pure, and what sort of things are lovely, and what sort of things are of good report? Again, we sit there, and we sit there, and why can't I get my thoughts to be pure? Because you're watching pure stuff. Why can't I get my thoughts to be pure? Because you listen to unpure stuff. Why can't I get my thoughts to be pure? Because you talk about unpure stuff. You let unpure things stay in there where they don't belong. You ought to push them out with the positive things of God. Huh? Why can't I just, you know, I just can't get free. You can't get free because you won't let yourself free. Because he said peace will come in there and set up a tent and keep all that foolishness out. Huh? People look at me crazy. I was also the one to give them like, but Johnson, there was a time when there was no TVs? Yeah. <laughs> well, how did they make it? They did stuff. They got up, they went outside, and built stuff. Like log cabins and whole cities. You, you know what I mean? There was a time when if you was gonna sit down, you had to make the chair. <laughs> huh? 
anybody is because I'm not thinking on that. I need stuff of good report. Well, if you don't know, well, how will you know when bad things happen? Bad things have a way of showing themselves. Now, I'm not saying when you know something is wrong, not to say something, you better. But when we walk around, we ought to be thinking on things of good report. Again, that goes back to paranoia, y'all. <coughs> See, because you think everybody is about bad reports. Everybody is looking to say something about me, tell something about me. So I'm paranoid. Can't say nothing, can't be nothing. Can't, I'm paranoid. And, I, and because I and because I judge people unrighteously, I feel like everybody else is judging me unrighteously too. So if you can't have peace, you can't be stable. If you can't be stable, you're unstable. And when you're and when instability sets in and you don't find stability, they have a word for that. You know what that word is? That's called being bipolar. Yeah, you know what? And some folks think bipolar is too big for the Bible. But I'm going to show you how it's not. Because he just said one thing, didn't he? He just said, he just said, think on these things. It takes discipline to do this, right? It takes discipline to do this. But also, but also, but also, but also. Look at this. And I want you to write down four things. See, see, the thing is, here's what you got to understand. If you're going to get free of being self-sufficient and be Christ-sufficient, then you got to at least be able to do this. Here's what you got to get in your mind. That without God, I am lost. There's no way around it. Without God, I'm lost. Then, without God, my life is meaningless and useless. Not without a certain pair of shoes. Not without a certain clothes. No, without God, my life is meaningless and useless. Huh? Then, then, uh, uh, here's another thing. You really have to have the desire to seek God and please God. See? I must have the desire to seek Him and please Him. That must be my first priority. Because you know what? Anytime we frustrate the desires, anytime our desires frustrate God's will, it's like trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Anytime your desire conflicts with God's desire, you're going to create frustration in your life. And it's an incredible frustration that you can't even get around. It'll make you feel like you can't get around because what you're doing, you're constantly trying to force your way. Right? And then also, and then also, you have to realize that, that if your life is at variance with God in any way, shape, or form, if it is, then you will always be discontented. You will always be diseased if your life is at variance with it. If that makes sense to anybody. So now, 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 here's the thing. At the core, because I use that big word, I want you to write down these scriptures and then it'll be, be yours. You wanna, I want you to write down these scriptures here. And, 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 and the thing is, see, the Bible has always been here. But, but one thing, one thing, see what happens is, see, God's word, see, God's word is for all sorts of diseases. He deals with all sorts of diseases. And, and, and his word has always, it says in the scriptures we find comfort. Isn't that what it said? So then, so then, look at these verses that I, I want, uh, Nico, I want you to go over there with me. 
Go over to uh, Psalm 107, verse 23. Let's go to Psalm 107. Thank you. Verse 23. And I want you to uh, I want you to follow along the scriptures because there's some stuff I want you to underline. All right, Psalm 107, verse 23. Go ahead, start reading. Go on down. I want you to read on down to 31. Go ahead. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. All right, hold it right there. Hold it right there. I want you to see something. Notice what it said. Uh, some went down to the sea and ship doing business in great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths. Underline that. They mounted up to heaven and went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. And they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Underline that part, at their wits end. All right? So, so, so what do we see here? Because see, it, it, there's instability, right? And we see these great waves and all this is taking place, this great upheaval. And when we talk about people, and it's not just bipolar, we're talking about depression and these mood swings and things that we have. We, we, we become unstable and sometimes the, the troubles that we have seem to go as high as heaven and as deep as deep can go. And my courage melts when I have to face these things and I get frustrated, I get confused, I find myself at wit's end. Right? But then, but then the scripture goes on. He says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Now underline this part. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. <coughs> Notice that there. So they were in a great upheaval. I'm talking about being dealing with the discontent, with, with discontentment and dis-ease. There are things in your life that you think are insurmountable mountains and waves that you just can't make be still. You're right, you can't make them be still. But God can. It says when they called on God, he answered and he made the waves be still. Find a wave in your life, find a mountain in your life that God can't make be still. Find me any way that he can't bring peace to. He will level the rough waves. And it says when they cried out, because see, that's what happens when you're dealing with things like manic depression and all that. And I can say this because I, I was diagnosed with clinical depression before. I've been there already. And there are times when all you can do is cry out inside your mind. And you feel like you're in a prison of your mind. Remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote the letter. Paul was a prisoner, but he was writing outside of his mind. You know how? Because God did what he did right in front of the Philippian jailer. God has a way of shaking the prison, shaking the locks off, and opening the doors and setting his folk free. Do you not understand that? So in the midst of it, people will tell you that you can't make choices, but honey, you always got a choice. You can continue to let this thing eat you alive, or you can choose God's will. And here's the thing. Some people try to get the supernatural part out of it, but let me tell you something. When you choose God's will, you've got to understand the power of God. 
God will do things that you didn't ever think he could do. That, notice what I said. He'll do things that you don't think he can do. That doctors don't think he can do. That psychiatrists don't think he can do. But God can do it. He's done it. And I keep doing it. Notice, so what I had to learn in my own depression, and when I went through things, and when my mind and my heart was crying out and begging for relief, I learned that I had to speak to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. And I'm not saying sit there and scream and holler. No, that means have a little talk with Jesus. And he's going to make it all right. Huh? He will hear my faintest cry. And he'll answer by and by. Y'all remember that old song? Cry out to it. And you know what? Bible says pray without ceasing. So when you start crying, don't stop. Keep calling. Master, care thou not. And Jesus said, you know I do. You know I do. That's why I said peace. Be still. Right? And notice what it said there. He said, he said, notice, he said, the waves of the sea were hushed, and then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord, underline this part, for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. You know that? So guess what? Notice what they're saying. When God brings the peace, he's saying, be satisfied with the peace. Don't you see that's the problem? See, God will bring peace, but guess what it won't be? It won't be the peace that I asked him for. It won't, the, it won't be the peace that I felt he should have came through with. But notice what it said, be satisfied. You see, notice the definition of contentment? The definition of contentment, what? Was an emotional or mental state of being satisfied with one state. When he brings the peace, be glad with the peace. Huh? Then, 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 now turn with me right quick. Turn with me right quick to 2 Thessalonians uh, 3, uh, verse 5. And, and, and you might want to get Psalm 29, verse 11. Now, see, now somebody might say, well, that's before I get to the storm, Brother Johnson. But what about if I'm in the middle of it? What if I'm dealing with this stuff right now? Well, the Bible says, may the Lord direct your hearts to love God to the steadfastness of Christ. Underline that, the steadfastness of Christ. There's a reason why I keep coming back to that. Remember, at the core of it is instability. But you can find stability in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 29, verse 11, the Bible says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord, underline this part, bless his people with peace. He's going to bless his people with peace. Not that he might. It means he's shown up with. Shown up had. And will keep on doing it. Bless you with peace. Then, then, the Bible says, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, Verse 33, it says, it, it, it says this, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Underline the part where it says, not a God of confusion. The God I serve. See, because when you're in the midst of this depression, this anxiety and all this, everything is topsy-turvy and it feels like everything is blowing every which way. But you say, that's not the work of my God. My God is not a God of confusion. And when my God steps in, he brings order and he brings peace. Does, that, does anybody need peace? Does anybody need some order? Does anybody need some structure in your life? 
Huh? Then the Bible, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse uh, 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 7. I, I'm sorry, uh, look, go to Psalm 62, verse 6 before that, I'm sorry. Psalm 62, verse 6, the Bible says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. And underline this part, I shall not be shaken or moved. You right, Sister God. I shall not be moved. God is my rock. And if he's my rock, there's nothing that can move me. Right? Then the Bible says also, in, in, in Isaiah 26, verse 7, the path of righteous, if the path of the righteous is level, underline, you make level the way of the righteous. If I'll just be faithful and I'll just be righteous, guess what God is going to do? He's going to make my way level. He's going to smooth it on out. Some of us, we get so caught up in trying to smooth out the way ourselves instead of letting God smooth it on out. Right? And then, and then, and then you see over here in, 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 in Psalm 3, verse 3, the Bible says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. And then it underlined this part. My glory and the lifter of my head. Sometimes, y'all, you can get so, anywhere been there? You get so mentally tired. You get so mentally tired. You're so tired of fighting within yourself that you feel weak, you feel fatigued, and just can't go, no, that's all right. Because your Bible says that in those times, just stay with God, and God will lift your head. He'll hold your head up now. And he, he, it says, he will be your glory. Now notice that. Some of us uh, get caught up in, 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 in trying to make sure, trying to fight for this and fight for that. And make sure I got this. And make sure I got that. And make sure they notice my skill. Make sure they notice my talent. Make sure they notice this so I can get this promotion. Get this and get that. And get this. Uh, make sure I, I get this bonus and all this kind of stuff. Well, the Bible says, listen, God is your glory. He is the lifter of your head. Humble yourself to his mighty power, and he will lift you up in due time. But here's the question. Do you trust it? Do you believe it? See, that's the other part of depression. That's the other part of these things. Your lack of trust. You have no trust. You trust nobody. You try to trust yourself, and you fail yourself every time. But then you trust nobody. But it's been said a long time ago, never trust anybody who trusts nobody. <clears throat> Because they will be steady trying to get you before you get them. I'm trying to tell you. But if there's anybody you need to trust, you need to trust God. Why? Because the Bible says so. It says here in Isaiah 32, verse 17, the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Huh? Turn over there, Nico, and read that. We almost done with you. We just try to help some people along the way if we can. And matter of fact, I'm trying to help myself if that's all right. And I'm just letting y'all over here. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably need to help myself for a minute. And I'm trying to counsel myself. Well, uh, Isaiah 32, verse 17, what's the Bible say? The work of righteousness will be peace. Hold it. The work of righteousness will what? Will be peace. Might be. Will be. Could be. Will be. One day will be. will be. Shall be peace. Live in righteousness in your life and it shall be peace. You want peace? Do the will of God. And it shall be peace. You want, you want, you want peace in your relationship? Put your relationship.
shall be peace. Come on, read. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Ah, you know, see, you know, see, you know, he said the effect of righteousness. <laughs> see that? So the thing is, see, see, the result. Now listen, look at that. What is the result of righteousness according to that scripture? The result of righteousness is quietness and trust. How long? Forever. And how long is forever to you? Huh? You want to learn how to trust? Trust God. And he'll teach you how to trust. Then you know what you'll do? You'll stop looking at people and say, I can't trust people. You'll look above people and say, I trust God. And God protects me in every situation. I don't have to be switched back and forth in my life. I don't have to go from this mood to that mood. I don't have to go from trusted to untrusted. I don't have to go from shady to suspicious. I don't have to do any of that. Huh? I don't have to do that. And, 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 then, and, then, and then it says this. Uh, if you go over to Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. And, and, and Nico, get for me Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. And, and, and what it says over here, Isaiah 40, 3 through 5, the Bible says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Underline this part. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. Underline that part. Then it says, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know what that means? That means, why don't you stop for a minute and make sure there's a highway for God's word and will in your life. Have you stopped long enough to say, have I built a highway for the Lord's word in my life? Because huh? if you'll do that, if you'll just do that, then every low place in your life will be lifted up. And so, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, when it tells you that everything that, that, that puts itself, that, that, that builds itself against the, 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 the strongholds that, that are in the life, we can wrestle those things down to the submission of Christ because those are the hills. The hills are those arrogant and egotistical ways that keep us from being healed. Are humble enough to receive and let God's word have free course in our lives. Don't you know how much of this is your problem? How much is just you and your thinking? And you need to change your thinking. Lord, it's me being discontent. It's me creating this ease in my life. It's me who needs to be more disciplined in my thinking. It's me who needs to, it's me who needs to appreciate. It's me who needs to stop being so greedy. It's me who needs to stop looking at other people. It's me who needs to stop being so covetous. It's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm the one in all the need of prayer. Because I can't control anybody else. I can't control nobody else. All I can do is I'm doing all I can to wrestle myself down. See, y'all know this, this ease and discontent. That's what makes it hard for people to stay in their lanes. You know that, right? That's why folks can't stay in their lanes around here. You give them one simple thing to do, they're like, well, I just feel like, but see, then nobody asks you all that. <laughs> and they don't even do what they're supposed to do, and all the way across the map doing what somebody else is supposed to be doing. And then they leave their thing neglected. And see, see, neglect 
is also a reason for discontent. When you neglect the things you were supposed to take care of, it mounts up, it compounds, it becomes a mountain, and then you're upset. How did it get like this? Foolish me, because the dis-ease misled you and you let it mislead you. When you should have stayed in your land. And God said way back in Genesis, woman and man, there's something else you go all the way burn for his position. <clears throat> what for him is for his position. Something in her is always going to say, ah, I can do this. Ah, I need to do that. But God said, you bring that dis-ease under submission. <clears throat> do your part and let him do his part. Stop doing his part. Stop justifying. Stop trying to make excuses for his part. He got to do that and you got to do yours and we all do it. God, you, God, you owe me this and you owe me that. God said, you owe me some contentment. Amen. You owe me some appreciation. <coughs> you owe me some thanks, and not just out of your mouth. I mean thanks out of your life, out of your heart. What about what you owe me? Bible says in Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, what's it say in Romans chapter 8, 38, 39? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us. Notice what he said. For I am persuaded. You need to do a word study on that word, persuaded. I am fully persuaded, sold out, and have no doubt. That nothing can separate me. Which brings me right back uh, to Philippians, where he said that, to put it plainly, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffering. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He is my strength. I don't need strength from anywhere else. Notwithstanding, he have well done that he did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving or receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, he sent once again and unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may be abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto the God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God shall supply all thy needs according not to yours, but his riches. And you ought to say, man, because I know it's right. I know it's right, but the question is, will you do it? Will you apply it? Will you live it? You don't have to be prisoners anymore. 
walking around, beating your body down, trying to reshape and remold from the outside when God wants to rebuild from the inside out. That's the part that he loves so much. That's the part that he desires because the outer man is turning to dust. Don't be lost in disease, disease and discontentment. Deal with that. Meditate on the things of the master and let him bring you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because if your life is at variance with God's will, you'll never have peace. If you have not been added to the body of Christ, your life will be in this discontentment forever. If you were in another faith, and God, through his mercy, allowed you to hear his truth, and, and he's calling you to obey his will, and you still resist, you won't have peace, no matter how much you talk about God, no matter how much of his name is on your lips, your heart is far from him. And he says, if you want to be one with me, then hear me when I call. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, uh, and you have to believe what God has said. Believe it. If you believe it, then God has shown you that you are dead. Faith came by the word, and now you're dead in sin, and sin separates you from God. And you don't want to be separated anymore. Yes, you were in a faith. Yes, you were religious. Yes, you thought you were right. But God has shown you where you were wrong, and he wants to make you right. Then repent. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Because not every day and not every way will you have a chance to turn your life around. The only time you have is right now. Tomorrow's gone and tomorrow. Uh, to, 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 yesterday is gone, tomorrow may never come. You have right now. Repent of your sin. And then confess Jesus as your Lord, not just with your mouth, but also in your actions. Change how you live. And then be baptized for the remission of your sins. Right down in the water. Bury that old person. Let all sins be washed off. And he'll put his Holy Spirit and raise you up and add you to his body, which is the church. And that church is the only church in your Bible, the church of Christ. I know people are preaching different things, but the old Jerusalem gospel is still the truth. It's the only truth. And the church is the only place where you can get salvation. And if you want to be saved today, then come on. Come out of denominations. Come out of all your stubborn ways. Come out of your depression. Come out of your, your, your stubbornness. Come out of it today and let him take it away. Christians, Come out of your stubbornness. Come out of your, uh, your depression. Come out of your dysfunctional ways. Repent of that and he'll set you back on the right path. Stop running from God. But don't you know you can't run? How do you run from somebody who is everywhere? <laughs> you just can't. So why don't you come on to God? Why don't you come to God?